0: Lord, thank you this morning for your word that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and is able to uh, pierce us uh, right in the heart, Lord, and be able to show us the truths that are in your word. We pray, Lord, as we share this morning from your word that you will uh, bring it alive to us and that we may be able to apply these truths that we share today to our lives that we may be able to uh, grow and learn from them. And we thank you for... Uh, Our pastor who's gone today, Pastor Neil, bless him as he's away. And for those in our uh, church that are gone, we know that many of them had other things going today. Uh, We just commit ourselves to you this morning, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember uh, when I was in Bible school and we were learning uh, the scriptures and studying, you know, like 12 hours a day for many, uh, many days there. I would travel with some other missionaries and we would travel around the churches. And they would get up and give very, you know, sometimes very powerful messages. And and uh, I was kind of afraid to do that. You know, I was thinking, boy, that's that's hard to get up and speak in front of people. And and this uh, good friend of mine named Dun Gordy, he's still with the mission. Uh, he was a Baptist preacher, and he had uh, gone into full-time missionary work. And he said, uh, you know what, Ray? I always look at it this way. If the Lord can use Balaam's ass, he can use me. <laughs> So, you know, I kind of stuck with me in my mind, you know, I mean, the Lord's not looking for anybody who's perfect. We're all sinners, right? So the Lord's looking for people who are just willing to serve and to uh, serve him in the way that he uh, uh, wants to use us. Now, today, the title of my message today is, I didn't put out any notes because I ended up spending quite a few hours to study in quite a few areas. But anyhow, Ephesians chapter 6, the basic idea today, I thought would be a very interesting subject is uh, called the invisible war. And we'll go to Ephesians chapter six. Now today you're going to get a Bible sword drill, because uh, when you come up to speak one time, it's going to be pretty hard just to give an expository verse by verse. You know that's that's great, Pastor Neil does it, and, and we need that. But other times when you have just a chance to share, you're gonna you're gonna be able to look at many different passages. And and what I want to look at today is a thing called the invisible war. Now I remember reading a book uh, by a professor at Dallas, is Dr. Donald Barnhouse, he wrote a book called The Invisible War. And I remember going through that, and it's a tremendous book. It's been a long time since I've gone through it in detail. But anyhow, the basic idea here is, is something is going on behind the scenes that we can't see. And you have to agree, there are, there are things that go on that we can't see behind the scenes. And Ephesians chapter 6, let's look at verse 10. Finally, my brother my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places and so as I look at this passage, what comes to my mind is what goes on in the area that we can't see. What's going on out there? I mean, it seems like everything's so, in our our dimension of the five senses where we see and smell and touch and feel, we see things, right? But what goes on behind the scenes? And the Bible talks a lot about this area, this area of the invisible war that goes on, and uh, we're to be aware of it. Now, one of the things that is very important, I think, as we look at the as you look at the Bible and study the enemy and the things of the devil that he does, what's interesting is that when you study the scriptures, a lot of things that are in the scriptures, people come up with things that aren't there. And uh, one of the things that uh, I think that we've got to be really aware of is when it comes to the area of of the devil. We're going to get into some of those in a little bit. But anyhow, As we look at this invisible war, I think there's four or five areas that I want to go over that can make us aware of what goes on in the spiritual realm. The first one is look at turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 for a second. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The first thing that comes to my mind in this invisible area that's going on that we can't see, in Hebrews chapter 12, it tells us, Therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the snare which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, if we go to the context of Hebrews chapter 12, if you you read chapter 11 and the previous parts of this passage before Hebrews 12, all the heroes of the faith are mentioned there. You go through here, you you read about uh, Gideon and Samson, David and Samuel, and it goes through all these saints in the Old Testament that are there, and then it goes to chapter 12, it says, Therefore we also were surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So I think the first thing that we see here as believers is what we can be aware of in this invisible realm that's going on out there, is that other believers that have died and gone on before us, they're watching us. Isn't that kind of an amazing thought when you think about that? That means our loved ones who know Christ, even though their body's gone to the grave, their spirit has gone up to heaven to be with the Lord, these people may be watching us. That's, that's kind of an awesome thought, isn't it? It's, we don't see it going on, but, you know, it kind of gives you an idea. Maybe I've got to be a little more careful with, with my life and what I do and what I say because somebody's watching us. You know, I don't know about you, but i got one of these new smartphones, thing is is I'm not that smart you know I mean I like smartphones but and these things are really crazy because you can just put it in your pocket and touch a button and it call somebody you know it's so embarrassing and I was uh, telling one of my other sales guys and we were we were at a meeting a couple weeks ago and this is really funny and we were talking he got a new smartphone too and I said boy that's amazing you know you got a smartphone you're really you're really with the times now so he puts it in his pocket and we're talking And this guy's bragging about how he sold a carpet deal to a lady at a really high price. And he's going to make a super high commission because she didn't even question the price. Well, he pushed the button in his pocket and she heard it. (laughs) So it just goes to show you, you know, you can think you're really smart. But anyhow, this is a lady who heard something and she wasn't, you weren't planning on her hearing it. Now, the thing about this is when you think about it, all these witnesses have died Believers in, in the Lord and in the Old Testament, a lot of them are up there in the heavenly realm right now, maybe you know in, around the throne of God, and they're looking down, and they're watching us, and they're hearing us. Isn't that kind of scary when you think about it? I mean, the great cloud of witnesses. So I give you that little example, but this is really something to put in the, in, in the frame of mind as you live your life day by day. These are things to consider. This is, uh, these are a great cloud of witnesses that watch us. Now, the next thing that uh, is true is that the angels are watching us. And we won't have time to go through. I've got like 60, 70 passages to go through here. And when I came in today, uh, uh, Dave, uh, Doug wanted to know how long the message is going to be. Uh, I told him probably 90 minutes, but I'll try to cut it down to 30. because, <laughs> anyhow, uh, anyhow, the angelic beings are watching us, aren't they? Uh, in Luke chapter... 15, verse 7, it says that all the angels rejoice when a sinner repents. Isn't that cool? The angels rejoice. And then we also know from the scriptures that, well, we know that God's watching, right? We talked about that. God is watching us. And we know that he's keeping a record of everything that goes on. 2 Corinthians sixteen nine. you don't have to look this up, but the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And he's looking, uh, he's, he's watching us, the eyes of the Lord go through the whole earth. And then we also know that the devil's watching us. We don't have any doubt about that, don't we? Uh, in Job chapters 2, 1 through 3, we can take a look there real quick. In Job chapters uh, Job chapter 2, take a look there real quick. Here's something that goes on with the devil. And these are things that happen with you and I. Okay, and now Job chapter 2, it says that uh, Satan petitions the Lord and, and asks the Lord if, if he can harm Job. And, uh, the Lord, and he has to go to the Lord and ask him, and he says, I've been walking around the earth, and I see that Job is uh, down there, but you know what, he really, if I was to do something bad to him, then he would say that he doesn't love you. And so the Lord said, okay, well, you can you can test him. But the idea here in Job chapter 2 is that he, the devil, is out looking around, looking to see what he can get into. So we know that all these things are true, that we have all these beings up there, we have the Lord watching us, we have angels watching us, we have other believers watching us, and these are all facts that are true. Now, the reason I mention all this is what's going on today behind the scenes that really kind of throws us Christians for a loop, what goes on out there. And uh, a couple things I want to clarify first before we get started is, if you go into the New Testament and look at the epistles, do you know that there are no examples of demon possession in the New Testament, in, the, in any of the epistles? There are no examples. The only examples we have are the three years that Christ was on the earth, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we have... Quite a few instances where demons were possessing people. It was during that three-year period, and then in Acts chapter 16, there's one more mention. But in the rest of the epistles, no mention. Why is that? It's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, there, there's nothing said there. I think what we get, what we miss today, is that the Satan in his plan, as he looks into this, in this area of the invisible war, he's at a much higher level of trying to deceive people than just possessing people. I mean he has the power to do it, and we also find that only one time in the Bible does the devil actually possess a person, and that's Judas Iscariot and that is in uh, uh, the book of Luke. Judas uh, goes into uh, Satan goes into Judas when he denies the Lord and sells him for the gold. That's the only one mention of devil possession in the Bible. So then we have all these things going on today talking about uh, all these things that happen in uh, in in this realm that You know, it just kind of puzzles me because what's going on out there? Well, if we look at the overall plan that Satan has in this invisible war, there are things that he's trying to do and he's working on that today. And that's what I thought would be really interesting to see that we are aware of what's going on. Number one, the main thing that the devil tries to do is he's on a mission. And the first goal he has is to deceive the lost, deceive the unsaved. No matter how he can do it with his plans and his different ways of getting there, is, this is his main goal, is to see if he can, can keep somebody from coming to Christ and believe in the gospel message of the free grace of God. And he does this through hundreds of ways. The biggest thing we see out there, I think, that in this invisible realm that we have going on are the many religions that we have. Boy, I think that the further, as the years go on, there are more religions invented than you can shake a stick at. A lot of different religions. You have the Muslim faith. You have the Buddhists. You have the Hindus. And then you have uh, all the occult stuff going on and all the devil worship and all these things. All these are all big systems to get somebody to, uh, to be deceived. And the first thing that Satan loves to do is if, if he can get us to believe he's not there, he's kind of got you fooled, right? Just forget about him. He's not he's not really doing anything. And the second thing is if, he, if you do believe and understand that there is a, a higher power out there, the devil, then he wants to get us so confused and so involved in him that we miss the whole plan of what God wants to do with our lives. And that's why back in the uh, dark ages, back in the medieval times you know what they used to do the christians would do back then they used to have uh, devil dodging exercises and, and demon things where they would try to stop them all because they got so engrossed in it that that's where their life was they became so ineffective for the lord that that's what happened so we find out all these things that are going on behind the scenes the next area that i think that the enemy tries to get into is is in the church system itself how many religions in, Christ, in, in Christianity, how many churches do we have that are out there that are just so close, but they still miss the gospel message? I grew up as a Catholic, and all the way up to the time I was like 13 years old, I was real faithful at going to catechism. And I remember going on these retreats with the priests, and, and you know my life was real committed. I wanted, to, I wanted to follow God, I wanted to believe in what, what God had to say. And I remember as a young boy, like 11 or 12 years old, going to one of these camps. And the priests would come in and bless me. And they would put this little thing around my neck called a scapula. You know what that is? Like this little cloth thing with a little saint on there. And they would make, they would say something like this to me. They'd say, you know what, Ray? If you wear that thing and you die, you would go to heaven. And I got to thinking, man, I think I wore that thing out. You know, I want to make sure I go to heaven when I die. So, see... These religious things are all telling you things. They're not true. They get away from the gospel of grace. It doesn't mean that you can't be a Catholic and not uh, get saved and believe in Christ to save you. That's possible. It it happens. But if you go by the system which is there, it's it's not going to happen by just believing in the system. And so we have all these churches. We have all these methods that the devil, that's the next step. Of deception is to try to get Christendom to depart from the truth, and that's probably the biggest thing that I think we need to be aware aware of as believers: is how easy is it for us as Christians to be deceived and fall into error? It's very, very. It happens all the time. Happens all the time. Uh, If we look at some more passages, a lot of things that we can look at where, where. The enemy is trying to work in our churches and trying to get us to uh, fall for something that's not true. And that's just one of the ways that he will try to defeat us. Another area that I think that the devil loves to do behind this in the invisible war is he loves to cause problems in churches. You know, when my wife and I first started coming here about 15 years ago, we heard Pastor Arch And we met a lot of the elders that are still here, Jack and Glenn and uh, Dave Bennett. A lot of them are still here. And what really impressed my wife and I is, man, these people really believe the Bible. It's exciting. They really understand. They understand the truth of the Bible. And then you find out shortly after that, people start leaving and quitting. Well, Well, what is it? It's weird. I mean, I don't even know. So something's going on that I can't see. What is it? Well, I think it's just the enemy loves to cause deception. He loves to cause problems. And uh, when we get to heaven, there's going to be no problems, right? But what happens? while well, we're still here on earth. You know, and then uh, sometimes I'll call somebody who quits the church. I'll call them and I'll, I I may ask, oh, why did you leave? I mean, what, what happened? Oh, uh, we don't feel that the kids' ministry was quite what I was looking for. Something like that. You know, just something... Well, I mean, did you try and help, or you know, what's what's the thing? But you know, it doesn't really matter because if he can get us so fooled into doing things, believing things that aren't true, then I think that's what the that's what he loves to do. He loves to mess up believers. So if you're looking for a perfect church, don't go to it because once we go, we screw it up, right? Because we're all, we're the ones that have problems. People have problems, isn't that true? When you have people, you have problems. So, this is another area that I think the devil works on in this invisible war that's going on out there. And, uh, these are just areas that he tries to get us to believe in. He goes into the occult and the spirit, the supernatural, and then into the religions, and then into Christianity, and then into the churches. It's everywhere. Can't get away from it. Now, what, you know, what's interesting to me, it's really puzzling, is, is, uh, since we know what the scriptures say, the, the Satan is defeated already. We know in Revelation chapter 20 he's going to get thrown into the lake of fire. We know that we're on the winning side, right? There's no doubt about that. We sang about this this morning. The, the battle is the Lord's. We, we've won the war. But in the meantime, uh, what do we do? What what happens in the meantime? What What is our job as believers are we to do? We're to, we're to be really careful, aren't we? Another thing that's really puzzling to me is is I, I know what's going on behind the scenes, but it seems like, you know, once it's so easy for us as believers just to to get involved with what goes on behind in, this, in the spiritual battle, to be suckered into things that go on behind the scenes. For example, for me, I don't really care to see satanic movies at the theater. I don't, to me, they don't interest me, because I know the devil's behind this stuff, right? I mean, we know that the enemy would love... now. I was talking to my daughter the other day, and she goes, "Oh, Dad, you're being too, you're being too strong. You know what's wrong with you? People love Twilight. Those, uh, the uh, vampires, they love each other. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> so, I guess the vampires have love. You know, the thing is, is what about people who don't know the Lord? What about the non-believer? What do they think of that stuff? Well, to them, it's interesting, isn't it? It's just another way that Satan can blind their eyes, right? Because if they are into things that are, are fantasy, you know. Now, I love Disneyland and fantasy, but, you know, it's all fantasy, right? We've got to be really careful. So these are things that we've got to be really careful careful of. Okay, now a couple things I want to just go over. Uh, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I want to look at just a few passages here that I think that are really important for us as believers. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now, even though we as believers are eternally saved, and we know that by believing in Christ as our personal Savior, we're going to heaven, right? We know that. But if we can be deceived, then that's something that the devil may try and do to uh, to work on us. Okay, look at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Uh, let's go to verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the Doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So he says, take heed to the doctrine. To be very careful to follow the scriptures and what the doctrine has, what doctrine has to say. And for, from my perspective, doctrine is everything. Without proper doctrine, what do you have? Confusion. You have problems. Uh, Oh, about many years ago when my wife and I were living in Oxnard, we were going to a church there. I was one of the elders in the church, and they brought this, the pastor had retired, and they brought this new pastor in, and, uh, you know, and I talked to him for an hour or two. We all interviewed him, and, and the other six elders all felt real sure that he was the guy. And so when I asked him several question, questions on, you know, theology and just some of the basics, it kind of puzzled me because the answers didn't seem to be quite straight, you know, from my, from from the teaching I had. So I told the other elders, I said, you know, I don't think we ought to bring them. But, you know, and they said, well, we're convinced. I said, okay, well, you know, I'll kind of, I'll abstain from the vote, but you guys can go ahead and, you know, I guess I can't stop it. So the other six guys, they brought this guy in. Well, about a month later, he's up there preaching a sermon that, there's no, there, that there was no body in hell. There's no physical body in hell. And as he went on, he denied that there's going to be any physical pain in hell, so it was all going to be a spiritual thing. So that didn't go over very well. So anyhow, we went to interview him some more, and then he got to, we got to talking, and then he said to me, Ray, uh, I, don't even, you know, the, I don't even know about the resurrection of Christ. I'm not real sure about that. He said, you must have learned it from the movie called A Thief in the Night, so you must have watched that movie on the rapture, and so therefore that's probably where you got your teaching from. I said, what? You know, the Bible's real clear that there's gonna be a resurrection for believers. And this is one of the key things that 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 we have to hold to. And so as it as it turned out, I got kicked out of the church, you know. I mean? it was, <laughs> mainly because I kinda of felt doctrine is important. And that's one of the things I like about Coast Bible Church. We're really very strong doctrinally. We believe in the free gospel message. Salvation is by faith alone in Christ alone. We believe in things that are very critical, and that's I feel comfortable here. It's really great. It's good to find that. But you're not going to find that a lot of places, I can tell you. You go to many churches and uh, they don't want to hear about the blood of Christ or the resurrection. And why is that? Because I think in this heavenly realm of this battle that's going on out there, anything to deceive the saints and to keep us off track. Uh, And I'm going to give you some more examples of that. Look at... uh, uh, First Timothy chapters 1, 18 to 20. Go back a few chapters here. It says, uh, this, this is Timothy talking here. He says, this, I, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck.'" Of whom are Hymeneus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme, so here we have an example in First Timothy, where a couple of believers in the church they fell into error, and guess what they were teaching that the resurrection had passed already, that there's no res- the resurrection's already done. You know it's interesting because what did we have a couple months ago? Didn't we have some guy on TV that everybody heard about that he said that, what was that date? He gave a date like he gave a date where the where the Lord is coming back and where the end of the world was coming. Well, you know, we still got people today trying to deceive people. The Bible doesn't give us any day when he's coming back. It could be today. But we know that when the resurrection happens and the rapture comes, if we're alive we're gonna be changed, if we're in the grave it's gonna open up and bodies are gonna come out. That's the resurrection and it's gonna happen. Pretty exciting. I wish it happened. Sooner the better, right? The way the world's going right now. So these are things that the Bible talks about. And then look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, Turn to 2 Timothy 4.10. This is another thing that we find in the scriptures that I believe is 2 Timothy 4.10. We have an example here of a fellow that was with Paul in the ministry. His name was Demas. It says, uh, says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed to Thessalonica. So here we have another example of a believer who was deceived. And what was his problem? He loved the world. He loved the world too much. He felt that the world was so important to him that I'm just going to drop everything, forget my faith, and he turned away from uh, the Lord and the Apostle Paul. And this is an example of things that I think that are happening. And this is where... We get into this invisible war that's going on. This is the goal. His goal is to deceive believers and, of course, uh, get us to fall into things that are wrong. Look at 2 Timothy 2.15. Go back a little bit here. This is really interesting here. It says, uh, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is one of our Awana verses. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. Who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. And that they overthrow the faith of some, and so this is an example of uh, another case in the New Testament where a believer uh, they fell into sin, they shipwrecked, and they have left the faith. So as we look at the whole plan of God, and we look at this invisible war that's going on, what should be our what should be our personal uh, what should the Lord be doing with us as it comes to this invisible war? Number one, we need to be aware of what's going on. And number two, got to realize that, as we talked about earlier, the battle's already been won, and the Lord is the victor. And our, our job as believers is just to f- follow the doctrine of, that God sets out for us, follow the scriptures. And uh, there's a couple passages I want to share here. Uh, first one is... Uh, 1 Peter 5, 7. Okay, a couple passages here that kind of give us a little... uh, 1 Peter 5, 7 through 9 tells us that... uh, Okay, 1 Peter 5 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil... Walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So the Bible tells us that as believers, we're to submit to God, resist the devil. And we know from James chapter 4, it tells us to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So the scripture is really clear that we're not to really be, our, our main goal is to follow the scriptures. Submit ourselves to the Lord, and he will take care of... That's why we don't have to have fears and worries and concerns about what's going on in the invisible war area. We know it's there. We know that it's it's happening. But our job is to know what's going to happen at the end time. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, just one passage here I want to share as we get toward the end here. Revelation chapter 20, here's the good news. As we know that the devil will be defeated, it tells us in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 10, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And this is in the book of Revelation as so we get toward the, uh, at the end, of, end of the thousand year reign. The devil is going to be let loose and then he's going to be thrown again into the lake of fire so he knows where he's going. So the devil knows where he's going. And his job, the devil's whole goal now is how many people can he deceive? Who can he take with him? How many believers can I mess up along the way? And that's his whole goal. And so this is why if we look at the scriptures, our, our, by the Lord's grace, we want to overcome that, don't we? And we can't overcome it. And that's by following the scriptures, believing in the Lord, and letting him take care of the enemy. So this is really a pretty cool area, I think, if we look at what goes on behind the scenes. It's kind of, in a way, it's. Uh, uh, when you think about it, someday we're going to be enlightened. When we get to be with the Lord, we'll see things from a whole different perspective, what goes on behind the scenes. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll uh, ask the Lord to give us his strength. Father, I thank you this morning for your word that tells us that the devil's been defeated. And that even though we live in this world of these problems and and we know that that the enemy has a whole system of ways that try to uh, trip us up and to get us to fall into the deceptions and lies of the enemy. We know, Lord, that we need to be strong and that's hold true to the doctrine of grace, the gospel of grace, and to hold true to uh, the words that are here for us to follow. Lord, help us not to be shipwrecked in our faith. Help us to be believers in our church, Lord, that edify one another and that we can help uh, build other believers up to be strong and to stand against the uh, enemy and the wiles of the devil. We thank you, Lord, that the victory is won and that we know someday we will be in your presence and look back at all these things and realize that you had an eternal purpose in everything that happens. Uh, bless our day today. Help us to go out with an awareness of, uh, that you are in control And that uh, we do have the victory that's in Christ. And we pray and give ourselves to you, Lord. And bless our week to come, too, in Jesus' name. Amen.